Welcome to the PTMA podcast, another edition of our live weekly Q&As. Some really cool questions from the guys off the group this week. Um, I have entered in the show notes the questions that were asked, so you can have a, a quick look uh, to see if there's any relevant. There'll also be an email address in the show notes if you want to submit a question or a discussion point. Uh, p- please feel free to send us anything you you want to ask. Uh, March's intake for the business transformation program is now closed. I, don't know, I think well, the next one is due around May time. Um, but yeah, hope you get a lot out of this, guys. Um, again, please feel free to show, to send through anything you want us to discuss or any questions that you may have. Hopefully you enjoy the episode. Right. Nicholas. Anthony. Mike, Michael Hanley. Anthony you, don't know my, you don't know my middle name, do you? I do. If you did, you'd fucking roast me for it. It's like Leslie or something, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Fuck, you know, it's my dad's name. My dad's name. Yeah. Morning, Matthew. Philip Talbot. <laughs> strong name, that, isn't it? It is a strong name, that, isn't it? Proper Very English true. name. Right. <clears throat> Who's first? I'll go. Come on, then. It hit me. When you are creating interest in something from stories, are you asking questions or just giving information? Ooh. What does... Hey, don't... What does creating interest ideally look like? Um, morning, Seb. I'm going to give two answers to this, you lucky bunch. So, um, creating, you, you want to create. In every post that you deliver, you want to, unless it's like a really just like a short, brief, motivation-based post or something like that. You want to, with every post that you deliver, you want to, you want to create a level of interest anyway. So a level of curiosity and a level of interest, but more so the interest comes off the back of a trigger or a pain point of, the, of your demographic. So um, it might be, for example, that you are posting about, let me see, increasing the amount of protein um, in, in your diet and what that can do for people. Now, in a general post, most people might not be really engaged with that, but if you get gather interest within your stories, um, that might be that um, a lot of the people I work with are, are currently, currently initially come to me struggling to understand calories, energy balance and stuff like that. And we honed in on two things first. Them two things are calories and protein. They established that when they've tracked their my fitness pal in the past or when they've managed their nutrition uh, protein was a struggle to get into their diet and therefore was one of the reasons why they wasn't satiated and they struggled to feel full which is why they started binge eating or snacking or on stuff like that do you, does this sound a little bit like you yes no um and then you stick a bit of a pole in there and then you might add some context to that so go protein can keep you satiated by xyz 
but hear me out, here's five steps within my post to help you increase your protein intake with five easy kind of simple to do steps um, within your daily intake. So what you've done there is took, this is, that was a fairly shit example, but I'm just gonna give you as an example. Um, you've took a, a, a trigger or something that they were interested in and want to know more about. You've gathered a bit of interest and in going, ah, actually, maybe that's why that I snack so much. I don't feel full. And um, when I'm on a diet, I feel starving all the time. Maybe I just need more protein. And now this person has put a post out of how to basically put three, four, five different points of awareness into my diet every single day of how I can get more protein in. So that is how you would gather interest about just one single point. If you were gathering interest about a product, you would build the levels of curiosity through your stories off the back of the triggers and the pain points as to why people would need it. Um, so there's two different types of answers. Hopefully they will help. Anything you would add, Nicholas? Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Do I have to read you one now? Oh, yeah, go on then. Oh, bloody hell, that was a big sigh, wasn't it? Come on. Right, when scheduling for the week ahead, I've often had to adjust my schedule as a result of consultations being booked through Calendly. Is it okay to adjust your schedule as you go, or would you recommend consultations be booked in within a week's notice? Good question, that. Okay, so I, I guess you had something else planned in, or that was at last minute, so that's why it's kind of disrupting your, your flow a little bit. <clears throat> what I would say with that is just to maybe have a another look at when those times are for consultations. Um, maybe start to consolidate them down a little bit. So if you, on average, get in a consultation every week, then maybe give like three options of that, uh, of the time slots that people can book in. So instead of having like a huge amount of variety, I don't know if you do, but I'm assuming you do, like a huge amount of variety or a lot of variety. Um, and then what I would do is in those time slots, so let's say it's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 6 p.m. you've got available for consults. Um, in those hours, I would essentially plan in stuff like quick wins that you can get done. So um, obviously if someone books in last minute or within the day or the day before, it's not a major thing that disrupts like maybe some of your major non-negotiables like marketing or programming or, or whatnot. So I would, yes, yes, it's always okay to kind of adjust on the go. But what I would say is um, be smart about how many consultation slots you have available um, and also what you're going to do in those time slots if they're not booked up so they're, they're quick transitions if someone books in and it's not a big disruption to your week and to your, your tasks that's what i would say yeah the only thing i'd add is that it might be wise to just have your consultations in the times that you you kind of want to fill so like they're just set times that you know you're going to engage either in a conversation or a session which is where you can bring the energy for yeah to bring your best self to that session a little bit um, but yeah, that's about it. What's next one? For an online coach, would you say it's important to have a landing page or website? And also still struggling to get my head around business metrics side of things, breaking it down. What would you say is the most beneficial bit to focus on 
first? Um, do, 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 so first question, for an online coach, would you say it's important to have an online page or a website? I wouldn't say initially, it's majorly important. Will it help? Yeah, because it's a central place for everything. Um, a landing page wouldn't hurt, I don't think, a little bit of investment or a little bit of your time to build a MailChimp one. Like, yeah, I, I would say it, it would be a benefit, but it's not essential when you first start out, um, in my opinion. Um, and if you want to know the types of things that go in there, then pop a question into the group and we can go back and forth with it. Um, second part of the question, and I think I'm going to sneeze halfway through. Look up. Look up. No, piss off, I'm concentrating. Um, <laughs> and also, <laughs> oh, it's on the edge, it's on the edge. Um, and also struggling to get my head around business metrics. The best place to start with business metrics is lead generation. So volume of hours um, invested into generating leads. So that's you building content online, interacting with others, stuff like that. So audit them hours that you're putting in. The volume of leads that are coming in um, off the back of that and um, the volume of consultations that that leads to and where they've come from and the conversions that go into your business. That is a great place to start. And obviously your revenue month on month. Um, yes, you could add in there joiners and leavers, but like a net game, but I'd definitely start with leads first, especially when you're first starting out in the industry, like yourself is anything you'd add. And I've just noticed that this person has had over 20 new leads this week. What an absolute storming week you've had. Anything you'd add, Nicholas? Oh. No, not really. I'd just say I agree with you in regards to building your business, marketing side of things, definitely. Um, I would almost break it down in regards to what I need to know and when or what I'm going to track and when I'm going to review it. So marketing side, maybe on a weekly basis, maybe collating on a weekly basis, maybe looking it at, back at it over you know, maybe every two weeks or every month, finances, probably every month, um, client retention, that side of things, probably every month. So there's certain things, depending where you're at, um, that you do maybe double down on a little bit more, but <clears throat> I can't speak today. Marketing is going to be one of them uh, to focus on. Right. Next question. Would you plan two weeks in advance all the time with posts and keep it that way? Also, would keeping adding to post ideas on one set day, aka Sunday, after gaining info during the week, or do it once a day and set time for that to add maybe one post idea a day, if that makes sense, guys? Um, does it make sense to you, Nick? Yeah. Okay. I would say... Best practice, I mean, two weeks is not a magic number particularly, but it does give you breathing space to kind of um, not be under pressure to create every day and to put it out and to edit it and to, you know, design it every day. So I would say if you can get two weeks ahead um, and then kind of just keep on kind of totting up and adding it based on your plan, I think that's a really good practice to have in place. Um, the next part of the question, info, do once a day. I think you should be, I think best practice is to probably gather 
information on a daily basis and gather ideas and just through listening and talking to your clients. Um, I think that's a great idea. Um, whether you do, whether you create all on maybe on a Sunday or you do it every couple of days, it's really down to you as an individual what works best, um, to, be, to be fair. So I'd probably say record conversations, get ideas down, be very, very kind of aware of that on a day-to-day -day basis. I know Ant's got a big book that he writes. He has open and he just writes ideas down um, every day. But then when you come to create it, I think it's going to be different from person to person, to be honest. So whether you do maybe every three days, you do a couple of posts, so you're a couple of posts on top of that two weeks, and then at the weekend, you do another two posts, and now you, you pretty much kind of four or five days ahead of that two week planning phase. So yeah, that's what I'd say, mate. Um, next question. Next. Do you think, do you think repurposing your content every four weeks is too often? No, I don't like with how everyone's, um, yeah, getting battered at the minute. If you're not playing the Instagram game, I don't think it is at all, personally. Um, obviously, you don't want to just churn out four week four weekly content in blocks because um, people will start to recognise that, especially your main followers. But the odd one or two posts every that repurposed every four every four weeks, absolutely not. I think it's perfectly fine. I'd say even more than that, but no, all good. Next question for Nicholas. For online growth, would you say two new clients per week is too much to take on in the first month of online for programming, et cetera, or does it entirely depend on how in-depth your service and client's needs are? No, it very much depends on the systems you've got to set that person up. Um, so if you are, for example, let me paint a picture. If you have to create programs, onboard people, and that is taking up a, a large amount of your time, then you need to work on your systems. Um, because, for example, if you've got the hours, if you've got to, if you've got the hours to take on eight clients in a month, then you should be able to accommodate that. If you've got it depends on your capacity, but, um, and I'll, in fact, I'll just go back on myself a little bit. It depends on your capacity and how many clients you can take on um, with everything going on. But actually onboarding people into your business is what I think you're talking about here in regards to setting people up on programs, um, the level of education, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to come down to your systems because in the first week, you don't need more, you shouldn't need more time coaching them versus the second or third week. Um, so it'd be based on your capacity and be based on your onboarding. So my answer is no, um, but it completely depends on how you've got things set up. So have you got templates for programming? Have you got um, subscriptions if you're using 
PT software, have you got your onboard with welcome pack sorted? So that's taking care of a lot of the comms in regards to the operation side of things. Have you got uh, a client Facebook group that welcomes on board, takes care of the education? Have you got a series of emails that goes out? Blah, blah, blah. So I think it largely depends on that versus numbers. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Oh, that's nice. That's, yeah. uh, Can you ask me my question? Really, I'm really pleased. Uh, what are your top tips for becoming more time efficient at programming and any ways to help create a bit of structure with it? I feel like what I'm doing at, at the moment is okay, but it feels very samey and uncreative. I'm going to try and keep this short and sweet because every time a programming question comes in, we end up speaking about it for about 10 minutes. 90% um, of your programs will be the same for 90% of the people that you work with. So if it feels samey, you're probably doing the right thing. Um, and that's not, you shouldn't feel guilty about that or anything like that. And if you're wondering what the other 10 to say 15% might be or whatever, that's normally on the client's preferences or the finishers or the accessory work and because it depends on the goal. So obviously, like as long as the goal's in mind, the person's in mind, the environment's in mind, um, it's built from some of their preferences, the majority of their programs are going to be the same. So when you're saying about making it a little bit more time efficient, personally, like if, like I said, if, you, if you're training a very, very similar demographic, um, which I know the majority of you are, I know you are, you just asked a question, um, yeah, they're going to have more or less the same program. So the same principles they're going to have a low body, they're going to have a hinge, they're going to have unilateral work, they're going to have a core, they're going to have a carry, they're going to have a push, they're going to have a press, like, and then they're going to probably have a little bit of conditioning and a finisher at the end. So yeah, in, in a nutshell, um, don't feel guilty about it being a template based. So you built this template for your demographic and that template gets tweaked for the individual person, 10 to 15% and makes a difference for that individual person every time. And that's how you can become more efficient. And what I would say for anyone listening is you might feel like, well, that's not individualizing your program. Or well, it, it kind of is because the, the principles are the same for more or less everyone. We Obviously the movement continuum. So Nick might be um, efficient to step under the bar and do a back squat, but I might train, I don't know, Chris, who then might not be and he might be at the stage of a goblet squat so as long as i know where this this person is on the movement continuum i know where they are with low body i know where they have where they are with hinge because i've done the movement assessment at the start and that's depicted where their 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 exercise selection is so i've got my template of my programming i've got my lower body i've got my hinge and all i do then is just go in and go actually they're not back squat they're goblet squat they're not goblet squat they're front squat and i just tweak it slightly so yeah, as long as the template's there, allow yourself 10 to 15% of change every time. And that would be about it. Anything you'd add, Nick? No, uh, well, two things, actually. Yeah. One thing, I'll be quick. One thing is don't let your, potentially your boredom reflect yeah. and assume that your client's bored um with the program because it's very same at the moment because obviously majority of people aren't working out with the variety of kit so that's the first thing uh second thing is gamify the workouts a little bit like make it 
make it fun and interesting and and even if it's kind of bog standard exercises and whatnot at the moment maybe make that a bit of a challenge a bit of a you know point system for hitting x amount of exercises and i don't know to make it fun and interesting but don't don't move away from the principles of of what you're trying to achieve for the programming side of things that's what i'd say um next question and a no question how would you recommend pricing up a buddy slash group service would you recommend having the check-in and monthly review side of things on a one-to-one -one basis whilst the sessions are obviously shared good question really good question i think what you've got to um It's difficult this, it's really difficult because when you're a one-to-one -one trainer, obviously you're, you're putting everything into that person. As soon as you start to um, add, more, add more people into that scenario, like whether it's a pairs, semi-private, small group, the one thing you've got to recognize is that you're not going to be able to deliver the same volume of attention on each person. Um, and also very crucially, is the price point reflects that as well so what i would say is and to be fair i'm not saying that we do this perfectly but take take this as a bit of an example of what we do in the group stuff with the way that we get people to check in uh review their business um and feedback as well so i think you got to think about that side of things in regards to how you can because if you start to grow your small group setting you, you won't be able to fit in like monthly reviews for everybody because that will just take up a whole week i mean it's it's uh so the one thing i would say is definitely have that in in mind in regards to having a check-in how you give feedback is really crucial maybe that's in a voice note to them maybe that's um in a client only group um, in regards to the reviews, again, I would definitely get that aligned with the check-in, uh, make it maybe a little bit more in-depth and an opportunity to maybe go back and forth with them a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I think you just got to recognise that the price point reflects the service, just like it does if you were giving more, more support to them, the price would go up. So I think... Uh, think about how you can streamline streamline it a little bit um so it saves you time but still gives a good service um price point wise it really depends it's a hard one to throw out there really really depends on like if it is buddy or group but um again if you're charging i'm gonna throw a number out here so it is just a bit of an arbitrary number but just to give you some kind of guidance of maybe how I'd approach it. If you had, for example, if your price point was, let's say, £25 an hour, yeah, which I know none of you are, but £25 an hour, and I had three people in, training three people at a time, uh, three times a week, um, then that would look something like, just to break it down, something like £20 per person per hour. Um, and then any additional stuff that you pop on top of that. So think about 
the onboarding side of things, the education side of things, the check-ins, the reviews. Um, same if you're kind of going through nutrition, if you're setting them up on any type of targets or coaching around nutrition, but I'm sure that'll be thinking into the check-in. Um, so yeah, that's what I'd kind of say if that helps and gives some guidance, but <clears throat> I think Seb's watching. Seb, if you are watching, mate, still, you know, we're on board to tears. If there's any other questions off the back of that, just ping it into the comments, mate. What do you think of Wolf's... Wolf... Stick your teeth in, son. Wolf Whistles. Wolf Whistles. <laughs> And could they form part of your marketing strategy? Example, research. So for the people listening on the podcast, he's then layered out what it would look like over a three-month period, his marketing strategy. Um, yeah, wolf whistles work. Um, I think they work really well as long as you've been consistent previously with your um, social media marketing. So I think it works really well. Um yeah, for that a million percent. Although I would <clears throat> I would make sure that your onboarding is very, very strong and it really finds out an understanding of the person because it's all right bringing in a volume of leads, which is a lot of what this wolf whistle type message does. Um, and if people listening don't know what this, this means, it's basically calling out your demographic. So you're basically telling them that you want to work with them specifically who they are, the frustrations they have, the pain points they have, the barriers they have, and what they're looking for. So you're just basically slapping, slapping them in the face with, right, this is who I'm looking for, this is who I want to work with, and there's the call to action. So they're really effective if you've been consistent, um, and if your onboarding is m like massively, massively um, in place to sift out the wankers within a nicer term, probably there isn't one. But I've, anyway. got stick it, I've got to stick explicit on the podcast now, haven't I? Oh, sorry. Sorry about that, Nicholas. Um, and also, what you've put here um, in regards to month one research and survey, month two free challenge, month three wolf whistle. I like that. Yeah, I like it because it's give you intent and a focus before landing something like the wolf whistle and stuff like that. And they also work quite well, the wolf whistle, at, at parts of the certain specific parts of the year so for example if you've done that strategy november december and then you slam a wolf whistle in in january to catch the new year new me people um but yeah that'd be my answer good question the last and final question i think what are wolf whistle i think i explained it yeah nice one matt um i'm launching my challenge next month my aim is for 20 plus people to sign up what would you say would be the best marketing strategy to start with? Well, that's a big question. So, marketing strategy to use. Right, first of all, I'll try and give this in bullet points because there could be lots of answers to this. Yeah, we could what be I could be here all night with you. You pipe down. Right. Oh. I'm still not sneezed. It's like there. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
satisfying though, and it will satisfying and it will done. Right. So uh, what I would say is, first of all, um, oh, if you've got a, if you've got if you've got a certain amount, and you certain, I'm assuming you do this for your social. So if you've got a certain amount of you know decent engagement over the past like month or two then that would um, largely dictate whether that challenge, because I don't know whether this challenge is all free or not. Um, so that would largely dictate whether I'd go paid or, or free if I've been showing up for the past couple of months, um, delivering value and whatnot. So that's the first thing. If I haven't, and I just want to turn this, turn this paid product on within a couple of weeks, then I'd probably... I'd probably go from um, I'd probably go to more of a complimentary or low, really lower cost challenge because ultimately I'm assuming it's to get people in to your one-to-one -one business or online business afterwards. So that's what I'd do. I would definitely give yourself um, first of all a little bit similar to what the last question was. A little bit of structure in regards to what you would do over the first week. So let's say, for example, you were a four week until four weeks until your challenge starts. Week one, probably go out to the go out to your audience, start to engage with them, ask questions, survey, um, put maybe put some incentive behind that. Um, off the back of that, look at the data, create the content and value add, create the curiosity of what's to come, which is going to help them, which is what they ask for based on the survey answers. Maybe do that for a week or two, maybe probably two weeks. Um, and then a week of just consistent, constant calls to action um, into the group. So that's kind of that's what I'd probably say. But there's lots of ifs and buts and coulds because, yeah. If you want to put into the comments, if you watch this, when you watch this back, what the aim is to it and what the date time frame is, then we can maybe give some more specifics. That's ladies and gents, is all of the questions for this week's live Q&A. Well, that was a splendid one. I enjoyed that. Good mix of questions. Um, and I hope it helped you all. Nick, have you got anything to say to close this out? Sir? Hmm. Let me think about that. I wonder if no. people I wonder if people on the podcast have got used to your long silences now. <laughs> <laughs> but I bet I guarantee they check if they've lost signal on the phone. You're gonna cause some crashes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right ladies and gents Matthew see you tomorrow thank you for coming on uh, thank you for everyone for listening um, I was going to do a bit of a pitch but I'll leave that to you on the uh, recorded stuff for the podcast guys we are going live on Instagram at 9.30 for those who are currently watching this one you can shift over there if you haven't had enough of us see you in a bit bye